Welcome, everyone, to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. I'm pleased to be joined by three esteemed guests, Linda Livingstone from Baylor, Harry Stinson from Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, and Stevie Baker Watson from DePaul, a Harry Division II rep, Stevie Division III, and of course, Linda Division I. We are talking the Constitution Committee. Uh, let's first get a raw reaction from the initial draft that came out this past week. We'll go around our, our Zoom room here. Uh, Linda, I will start with you. Well, I was really pleased with the reaction to the Constitution as people saw it for the first time. I think overall, the feedback was pretty positive. We obviously have some things we can adapt and tweak and got some good feedback on things that need clarified. But in general, I think uh, we had some really positive feedback that shows us that we're on the right track and that we can get where we need to by January. Harry and our Brady Bunch squares here, go ahead. I feel the same way. You know, everybody um, had an opportunity to take a look and, and give some, some positive feedback. Um, I think we're really on the right track to get this thing passed in January. Um, I, I feel really confident that the, our committee has, our, our committee's work is uh, being applauded um, for, for a number of reasons. Um, and and I, I'm excited to see where this next uh, phase takes us. On my end, it seemed like the Division Three membership was really receptive to what the committee had presented to them. Like everyone else, they had a little bit over a week to really digest it and, and figure out what they liked and what they didn't. And we were really pleased at the amount of feedback that folks gave us and giving us very specific feedback. So that way we can take that back to the committee and make specific adjustments moving forward. All right, so I wanna sort of peel that back a little bit. Let's go D3, D2, D1. At the D3 level first, uh, Stevie, what did you think was in there that was imperative? And then on the counter of that, um, maybe one thing or two that um, you know might need to be tweaked. You know, for us, we focus on the student athlete experience, just like our, our other colleagues in divisions one and division two. And we talk about it all the time and we align our finances in our division related to the student athlete experience. So it was imperative that the student athlete and their voice play a more prominent role as we move forward. And we're grateful for the three students who represented each of the divisions on the committee who provided us with additional language in that space. So it was great that it was there, but it's very different for our membership and we're learning how to digest that and what that actually means in practice. It's great in word, but how are we gonna be able to operationalize that for us? Uh, so then overall, later, what was that? In terms of, I'm sorry, say that again, Andy? What was the language that you said, you know, was imperative that they got in there? Absolutely. So in Article 1D, for those that are playing along at home, talks about the student athlete and talks about how we need to make sure that we are focusing on their physical and mental health uh, and that we are putting things in place to make sure that, that they have a positive experience and that those two things are shielded. When the Constitution, or at least the version we're looking at right now, was last touched 25 years ago, there's a lot of things that have changed for the student athlete on our college campuses and how they're feeling about their experience. And so it's important for it to be there, but it was the language for our folks to be able to digest. I, I, I echo uh, what Stevie said. I think it was important for us to identify and be able to keep the uh, financials um, very similar in, in a way that, that allows us to continue to grow and be able to put those pillars in place for us to um, 
manage the student athlete experience uh, for championships and everything else for division one, division two, and division three. I think it was imperative that we also were able to add in the ex officio um, on the board of governors that is from an HBCU. I think that's important because I think a lot of times uh, the HBCUs, the students of uh, minority uh, descent and everything else, uh, you know, are, are adversely affected by a number of different things that 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 come down the pipeline. So being able to have a voice in the room is, is really imperative. Um, but, but I also think that having students a part of the governance structure at all levels, all the way up to the Board of Governors is a major win for, for all levels. Linda? At Division One, I mean, there was also the same level of support for the increased emphasis on student athlete health and well-being, and actually student athletes having actual a vote on the Board of Governors now, and then frankly, representation from all three divisions of student athletes, even if they don't happen to be the voting members. So I think that was well received. Uh, certainly the delegation of a, a lot more uh, decision-making to the division level is something I think that Division One uh, will appreciate and, and we've got good feedback on. I think when you start looking at, you know, where there might be questions or where we have to continue to work, um, especially within Division One, it was more, uh, some of the questions were actually more about the next phase of this when we move to the division level and have to do our own work. What's our governance structure going to look like? What does that mean for enforcement? Um, how are we going to do allocations within the division? Frankly, some things that may actually be more challenging for Division One than they will be for uh, Division Two and Division Three. And then I believe we also had some questions about, as it relates to the structure of the national office and even some of the governance issues, what exactly is that going to mean about what the national office structure looks like uh, in order to support a more decentralized structure um, of, of governance within the division? Some of that we don't know the answers to yet. Some of that will play out as we work on our divisional structure. But again, in general, I think the feelings of support for student athletes the delegation of authority were very positively received. Yeah, well, first off, uh, it drives me crazy among many things when people start criticizing the work in progress. There is still a lot of work to do. There is no finished product yet. We're moving in the right direction. You know, a lot of times um, at the division one level, you know, we hear a lot of times that uh, got a wide swath of schools, public, private, uh, ones that have tens of millions of dollars in their budget versus, you know, very small amount it can be in the hundreds of thousands. Um, but that diversity of budgets and schools also is at the D2 and D3 level. It's not just a D1 issue. So um, Stevie and, and, and Harry, if you guys can address, you know, how you're handling that at D3 and D2, because there definitely is differences among those divisions as well. It's not just division one, two, and three. Well, for me at the division three level, we see the, the money that's coming from the, the operating revenue going mainly towards our championships. And we're really focusing on the student athlete experience in terms of our championships and access in that space. Uh, we're also able to distribute some money uh, that will go back to the membership, but not in the same way that you might see at division one where there's a, a straight uh, payback going to those institutions. But instead, we're doing it through different types of programming. So through this process, it's really an opportunity for all of us to rethink how we are spending our divisional dollars right now and making sure that we put the money where we think it's going to do the best good for our student athletes and our institutions. And, and very similar to D2, our structure is very 
uh, similar to Division Three, whereas uh, you know there is a, a a wide gap between the 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 top of D two and and the bottom of D two as far as funding, but you know it's it's all one uh, seamless process when it comes to how do we manage our, our championships, how do we manage um, the operations? We're, we're providing all kinds of different services. Um, we do get a little bit of kickback uh, from, from our divisional levels, but I mean, there's uh, nothing like uh, what division one has, but what ha what does work for us is the opportunity for us to provide that quality experience. And it puts more onus on the institution to work together, um, the region, the regions that we have in division two uh, bode well for us, especially for uh, our travel and our expenses. And I think it's the same in D division three uh, where regionalization is very important uh, to the success of our division. So uh, it, it's boding well, and, and we're looking forward to how we expand and continue to grow and continue to develop not only our financial model as, there, as it occurs, but also how we manage the student athlete experience and take it to the next level. So the three of you are adults and professionals. Uh, last week on our program, we had student athletes, both current and former. Um, we can't hammer this home enough that they do have a voice. So if you could each of you address how much of a voice D1, D2, D3 had in this process and will continue to do so. We'll start with you, Linda. I can't say enough about the, the three student athletes uh, or former student athletes that are on the commission. Uh, Kendall, uh, Mads, and Megan added so much value. They uh, did a great job going out and gathering feedback from their constituents and feeding that back into the system. And, and frankly, just being fully contributing members to the commission. And they were deeply respected by everyone on the commission. They actually helped formulate some of the language on some of those elements, particularly related to student athletes and um, were, were viewed just as everyone else was. So it was very valuable. And you can see from seeing these student athletes, how important it is that their voice is gonna be heard uh, more seriously within the governance structure going forward. I, I totally agree. Just watching them manage the room, manage all the things that they have going on. And not to mention like Mads, uh, who's a division two rep, she's, she just started grad school. So, and, and now she's an adjunct professor. And so she's juggling all that and then making it to our meetings and having a value, valuable voice in the room. Um, you know, I always joke with Ken, I'm like, you're gonna be the next NCAA president. Um, just the way his understands and he embodies uh, exactly what he's saying. So. Uh, as, as a former Division One student athlete, I look and I'm like, I don't think I was that smart and that eloquent uh, at, at that time frame. So I, I give them much kudos. Uh, it, it has been great, but their voice was heavy in the room. Uh, you know, it, 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 everybody was almost on the same level, regardless if you're conference commissioner, uh, president, like, like President Livingstone, uh, or, or AD, like uh, myself and, and Stevie, you know, uh, or, or student athlete your voice was still heard, your voice was still the same. And I think that that bode well for a great conversation that we can see it from a number of vantage points. If I think about the scale of what they were able to do, they were tremendous in getting feedback from their peers. For somebody in, in our division, for instance, as an athletics director, I might be thinking about, I got to touch with 440 some odd institutions to make sure they know what they're doing. And a conference commissioner might have to touch point with maybe 40 or 45. They were charged with hundreds of thousands of folks that they needed to gather feedback from and they were meticulous 
and they were very thoughtful in those responses. And I, I'm happy that they were part of the process and that they've served their, their fellow student athletes well. So I wanna go back to each one of you individually here and I'll start with you, Stevie. I mean, you're the former chair of the Division Three Management Council. Um, you've served on many NCAA committees. So at the D3 level, how have you seen presidents, peers embrace the change that needs to occur? I think everyone's done a good job. We are by nature a group that is very thoughtful and really wants to dive into the details. And this process was no different. They got that document a week before the convention, they peeled into it and they were coming at us with very pointed questions and concerns about what they were reading. They recognize that we do a lot of things well in division three and we wanna to continue to serve our student athletes and our member institutions for the next 25 years. And so this isn't a moment just for some folks have said for division one to reimagine what they're doing and do no harm to division two and division three, but it's a moment in time where I really believe our leadership and our institutions are ready to look forward to say, this has been great, but it's time now to step into the next 25 years and how can we best serve, serve everyone moving forward. You know, and Harry, um, you're a member of the Division II Management Council. You've served on many NCAA committees yourself. So take it from the D2 level for me, please. Yeah, I, I think that everybody had a, a great sense of understanding just in that quick read of, of a week. Uh, us as a committee, it took us weeks and, and, and just to digest what we were trying to do, get it right, get the right language, have the right ands and does and thuses. Um, there and, and, you know, for folks to be able to read it, understand it, be able to give us pointed questions, as Stevie said, uh, I, I think it was, I think it went very, very well. Uh, I think they see that we're doing a lot of things in a, a very, very good way. But, but what I think that everybody saw was that we were trying to make this something that was transformational for our future um, and not just get stuck with just changing a couple of words around and still living in the same space. Everybody's seeing that we're looking at a different model, a different business model that, that is coming down the pipeline. And we're trying to uh, position ourselves to be in the best uh, position for that. So uh, I, I'm excited for the future uh, and, and excited to see where everybody is right now. So Linda, now you've got division one. Uh, you're on the board of governors, um, board of directors, uh, so you got a lot on your plate, and, but there's so many different issues at the division one level as we've discussed. Um, and, and a lot of times, board of governors, board of directors have been a little resistant to change. What are you seeing right now in that space, understanding that, no, we need to evolve to take it for the next decade plus? It became very clear even prior to the setting up of the Constitution Commission that there was a, a, a great uh, need uh, or feeling within Division One that we were going to have to make some significant changes to how we govern ourselves if we wanted to continue uh, to kind of write our own destiny in intercollegiate athletics and not have outside entities, whoever those might be, uh, having more control over what we do than we might think is appropriate in higher education and allowing us to maintain the integrity of collegiate athletics and the student athlete. And so I think it was very clear to leadership in Division One 
uh, across Division I that we were going to have to take this seriously, that we we're going to have to make some very significant changes. And I think we are doing that at the association level. But I also think that as we drill down to the Division I level, it's imperative that we keep that transformational hat on. In fact, we're calling our group the Division I Transformation Committee to keep reminding ourselves that our work is not done and that if we really want the collegiate athletic model to survive and be successful at the highest levels, then we're going to have to be very introspective and take this very seriously to make sure that what we do sets us up for the long run under the umbrella of what we're doing at the association level. All right. So on each, each level, I'm just curious if I could get your opinion on this because um, at the division one, two and three level change is needed, but not complete, you know, rebuilding. Uh, and I just want to get your opinions from each one of you. And we'll just go from D one down to D three about why it is better to restructure retool rather than completely separate and start completely over and try to create your own thing, uh, which the fringe loves to throw out, but it's not realistic. Linda, you first. There were discussions within the Constitution Commission about uh, you know, a further division in some way that didn't keep some umbrella structure around, but I believe that there's enough of those common values, those principles at the beginning are very commonly held across all three divisions. And the sense was uh, maintaining the integrity of those principles across all different, all the diversity of intercollegiate athletics was important. And then you could actually, at the division level, address those issues that were more unique to the nuances of each of those divisions based on the level at which they compete, the resource availability, and frankly, the pressures on them uh, from outside entities. And so um, while we certainly looked at whether there was a more dramatic restructuring that could take place, I think we felt like that the integrity of that collegiate model, that uh, student athlete model was important to maintain across all levels. And, and you see those principles that apply regardless of what division you're in, because we all believe in those. And, and it was very clear in the surveying we did up front before we actually rolled up our sleeves and, and began to work that that those came through very consistently, really no matter who you talk to, presidents, athletic directors, coaches, um, faculty athletic reps, uh, commissioners across divisions. And, and when there's that much commonality of principle, I think you can figure out then how to work on the other elements under that umbrella of those broad principles. Yeah, and I think from the division two level, uh, we're all here for the same principles. Like, like President Livingstone said, we're here for the student athlete experience and to find ways to ensure that they have the quality experience uh, as they compete and, and grow them as leaders. So we have to evolve with the times that are currently here. I was a student athlete in 1997, 1998 um, at, at Florida State. And we were one of the first ones that were able to, to benefit from moving from uh, student athletes not even being able to work. So I was one of, one of those students that was able to work for 20 hours a week, um, which wasn't the case prior to 1996 and the changes we made at that time. So as we evolve, we're still trying to figure out ways to ensure that uh, we connect with the times of today. You know, we had a deregulation of NCAA bylaws not too long ago, 
so that we can stay in stay in stay ahead of uh, technology. Uh, before you know, you know, no longer are we looking at text messages and, and uh, because that's not getting charged uh, anymore from from your carriers. So why is that a, a NCA bylaw? So we were able to deregulate some things. So now, uh, as as we're looking at name, image, and likeness, and where we are in today's society, we just need to evolve and, and change a little bit to reflect where we are uh, in, in in today. So uh, you don't have to blow it all up. I mean, the system is working. Uh, we're former student athletes that are now professionals and we came up through this system. And at the, at the end of it, we are having leaders grow from their experiences as a student athlete and as long as we continue to keep that as a pillar, a growing leaders through athletic uh, experiences, um, I, I think we're winning. I think this conversation that we've been having for the last three months with each other really solidified that we are trying to do the same thing. And we are trying to serve our students on our campus and provide them with a valuable experience through athletics. And so I think that the fact that we've now taken a 45 page constitution and we've now made it 15 and we've streamlined the principles. I actually think that that's gonna make us stronger as an association. And as Dr. Livingstone has said, now that we can shift some things to the divisional level, we can really then pivot to provide the type of experience that each of us want for athletics on each of our campuses. She mentioned that there's different pressures at different levels. I couldn't agree more. What she and her student athletes and her coaches are feeling are, are very different than what mine are at, but they still want an opportunity to compete and to be a part of an athletics program that'll help teach them life skills as they move on from college. Gender equity. Um, it's not just about championships and it really should be at the grassroots level at each school, uh, let alone each conference. Uh, obviously, Dr. Livingstone, excuse me, um, You've had national champions in both men's and women's basketball, uh, two of the highest profile sports, um, but yet it has to be all the way down. How do, what assurances are there, do you think, going forward that at all championships, at all level, for every sport, you will feel equal in the regards of, I'm not saying attendance, but how each student athlete is treated at that championship? Dr. Livingstone? Well, it's a really important question. And, you know, I played basketball at Oklahoma State University in 1978 to 1982. So I was really right on the tails of Title IX. So for me to see what was going on when I played back then to what's going on now, it's dramatic, the impact that Title IX has had on, on college sports broadly, but certainly women, women's athletics and the opportunities that it's provided. And so now I think you've got to go to that next level of saying, let's make sure that we're providing kind of fair and equitable opportunity. Clearly what happened with the women's basketball tournament this last year shown a light on some of the inequities that were happening across championships. And we've got to make sure, and I think we're already taking some really significant steps to correct that and to ensure equity across those. What you hope going forward is that it doesn't take an incident like that to sort of make us realize that we weren't doing everything we needed to for equitable championships, that we're, we always have our eye on the ball, that we're always paying attention to that, and that it is front of center as we structure championships and opportunities and experiences uh, for, for our men and women athletes. And I think some of the restructuring at the national office level on how those are, are governed and structured and supported will help with that. 
but we can't let this happen again where we get behind and then we have some incident happen that shows us that we just weren't doing what we needed to in terms of equity. Yeah, yeah I couldn't have said it any better than uh, President Livingstone. I mean, right now we're in a, in a position where the crux of the matter is we have to show that the opportunities are there and that the experiences that our student athletes are going through um, are, are, are going to be something that is going to be special, no matter if it's a men's game or women's game. You know, the, uh, the following, the, the students have more uh, eyes on them because of social media and all these other different uh, mediums that's out there. But it matters not if you're male or female or, or uh, black or white, it doesn't matter. The, the opportunity to have a quality experience has to be the first thought and first paramount to, uh, to success. So um, I, I couldn't say it any better than, than President Livingstone. I think all of us would agree that gender equity is, is, is an active verb in, in a way on our campuses in which almost every decision we're making, we're thinking about how it's gonna play out for the experience of our students and how we're gonna be able to replicate that for those coming forward. And like Dr. Livingstone said, it was, it was sad to see that the inequity was placed on the national stage for how we ran a championship at division one. But I really trust that those that are at the national office don't wanna see that happen again and are going to be not just intentional, but they're gonna be checking each other to make sure that they're in lockstep with each other moving forward for things. We were fortunate from that Kaplan report, we didn't see a whole lot of gender inequity occurring in division three championships or division two. That doesn't mean that it can't happen. And so we need to make sure that we're keeping our eye on the prize or the eye on the ball, as Dr. Livingstone said, and making sure that we don't have a repeat of our student athletes or our institutions. All right, final word from all three of you, all three divisions. Start with UCV Division Three. Um, what will life look like? I'll put you a little bit on the spot here. Uh, five years from now in Division Three. Well, I hope that in Division Three, what we see is that we're able to, to fund excellent championships for our student athletes. We'll be able to find a way to, to fill some of the gaps we think that we have in our championships model right now, and that we're gonna continue to be able to offer very valuable programs to remember institutions and our student athletes, like our Strategic Alliance Match Grant, or Ethnic Minority and Women's Internship Grant, or opportunities for our students like Career and Sports Forum. Uh, we're excited for what's going to come out of this convention, and we really think it's just going to be a springboard for us moving forward. Harry? I think five years from now, we'll have uh, a better picture. I, I say right now we have an open blank canvas, and we're able to, at all three divisions, paint it and, and, and uh, create all kinds of different artwork off of it because of the fact that this is our opportunity to shape and change and mold the division structure, the governance structure, just the NCAA period to our liking and, and to our abilities for right now and, and moving forward into the future. So we have an open canvas. I think that equity, I think that uh, diversity and inclusion, I think that uh, the opportunities for championship and championship exposures are all going to be at elevated levels um, because they are intentional, including uh, mental health for our student athletes and the student athlete experience is going to continue to grow. And I'm excited about watching that un unfold in front of our eyes. All right, you got division one, a lot of pressure on you, President <laughs> It's a hard act to follow with Stevie and Harry. 
Um, in five years, I hope that when people look at Division One, they see a division that is uh, supporting our student athletes at the highest level, whether it's in their academic endeavors or their athletic endeavors to ensure their safety and health and well-being, but also their full development as human beings across the spectrum. And they're, they know that they're respected and important part of the process. Um, I want people to continue to see the highest quality of athletic competition that you can that engages people across our campuses and across the country uh, to get together and cheer and be excited and have fun together watching intercollegiate athletics. And then I hope that they see a division that's flexible and adaptive and isn't reactive to what's going on out there, that we're able to create a structure and a governance that, that allows us to, to think ahead, to see what's coming and to adapt to that and be ahead of the issues and concerns that might be out there instead of behind those in the future. But I'm excited about the future. There's nothing better than collegiate athletics in this country to bring people together and to create enthusiasm and excitement on our campuses. And certainly the Baylor men's basketball team did that. Yeah. We the coach on the planet, <laughs> Scott Drew, uh, bringing us some March Madness that we desperately wanted there uh, in uh, early April. And also, I just want to put a bow on one thing that also is coming out of this, talk about adaptive and not being reactive, uh, but being proactive with mental health. And I think over the next five years, uh, that'll become even more and more of a positive development where student athletes and coaches, uh, administrators, everyone will be uh, allowed to sort of take a break. It's okay not to be okay. And we talked a lot about it on this, on this show over the last you know, 20 months or so. So I think that's an important development and having the student athlete voices on this has been imperative on that issue. I know we talked about that last week on the show. So President Linda Livingstone from Baylor, appreciate you. Harry Simpson from Lake University in Pennsylvania, Division II rep uh, on the Management Council. And Stevie Baker Watson from DePaul University, Division Three, former chair of the Division Three Management Council. Uh, appreciate all of you. I know that uh, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. And I think we're going to see some great changes at all three divisions. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series, where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.